welcome to another episode of Inside United. My name is Scott Buchanan, and I have a very special guest here today with us. You might know him as the president of the United Church of God, uh, and he held that title up until very recently. Uh, Mr. Vic Kubik, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Scott. It's wonderful <laughs> to be here. You've never been on this before, correct? No, we've just kind of changed, <laughs> changing roles here. Yeah, yeah. But I'm the guest. Yeah, well, it's it's fun. We wanted to kind of do a send-off for you. We know that this podcast was your your brainchild, and you put a lot of work and effort into it. And we wanted you to have this last episode to just kind of talk about some things about you, a little bit of the past and how you got to here, and then a little bit of the future and where you're going. Uh, so, um, how are you? How are you? How are you doing with all this? I'm doing doing just fine. My wife and I, my wife Bev and I, are doing uh, doing great. We're looking forward to the next stage of our lives. We are very grateful to have served as president of the United Church of God for the past nine years. Mm -hmm. It's almost twice as long as the <laughs> previous predecessor right. uh, has been, which actually has surprised us, and we're very grateful. We're leaving on a high, mm -hmm. and uh, we're gr grateful for our health, and we're grateful for whatever might be before us. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's great. We're, we're really happy for you guys, and we're, we're going to miss you, obviously. I mean, I haven't been here that long. It's only been about six months for me. And I can't help but notice that you're leaving right after I get here. So I'm going to try to not take that personally. Um, but, you know, I just I just wanted to say for my own self that uh, you've always just been very, very friendly. And, you know, I've had people, uh, ministers especially, who, uh, you know, have always gotten my name wrong. <laughs> and, you know, you make it a point to come up and be very cheerful and you're just very engaging. And I appreciate that. So I just... You know, I want to let you know that we're going to miss you terribly, and but we're we're happy that uh, you know you've got some other stuff that you want to get done and, and and move on to that. Well, thank you, Scott. Thank you for sharing those sentiments. I, I do love people. My wife and I both have been around people a lot, and and we really want people to be successes. Mm -hmm. You know, not only fulfill whatever role they have, but to be successes. And I'm a very relationship-oriented person. I'm just very concerned about how people feel about one another mm -hmm. because how they feel about one another will determine how well they work with one another. Right. And that's why uh, I am the way I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, it, I think it works really well, especially in a leadership position. So just getting into things, I'll just uh, share with the audience. In my time here, I've been able to go back through the old video logs of when United started and when I was looking through all that stuff, I saw a very young Mr. Kubik talking about how important it was that we get this new church off the ground and we, uh, we stay true to our original beliefs and how to go about doing that. Could you share with us what it was like getting United up and off the ground? Because I know that you were a very integral part of that. Well, first of all, we didn't want to get a new church off the ground. Okay. That, that, that wasn't our, our point. Uh, we had at one point in our lives come to our body of beliefs, the faith once delivered, as we call it, mm -hmm. and which is different from mainstream Christianity. Right. And uh, we found that the leadership of the church at that time was going back to the beliefs that we had that we had come out of. Mm -hmm. And in a way, like, we are to come out of that, and now all of a sudden it's like, it's a round trip. It's going right back yeah. into that. And I thought, that's not where we want to go. It isn't that we didn't uh, understand the new. We understood it full well, and that's why we left it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was a matter of theology first and foremost. Right. The doc there were doctrinal changes, so to speak, or doctrinal coming back to beliefs that we had. Some of the more obvious ones was going to uh, worship on Sunday. Mm -hmm. You know, was remember the Sabbath. That was one reason that I was interested in what we call the truth. Years and years ago, back when I was in high school, 
And I always wondered about why we kept Sunday and when it says biblically you have to remember the Sabbath. I know I had to go to my priest and, and have discussions with him. And he admitted that uh, Sunday was a change. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he admitted that the Bible did mean Saturday is the Sabbath. Right. And I said, well, why don't we do that? Well, he gave you know, the various reasons that are the standard uh, reasons for it. I said, how can somebody change the commandments of God? Mm -hmm. So that was one of the things that uh, brought me to the, what I call the truth, right. you know, and, and I wanted to observe that, and it took a lot. It was a change of friends. It was awkward. It was something that was very debilitating, but we wanted to stay to what was true. Mm -hmm. And so then when United came about was because the leadership of that church at that time, my direct bosses, wanted to go back to that. And that that's the simple thing. And there were so many other changes. And it was going back to original, to the mainstream of what we had come out of. Right, yeah. I remember during that time, I was, I was pretty young. I was only about nine. But I distinctly remember us getting up and walking out of church. And sometimes, sometimes at the feast, we, my dad would take us out into the hallway uh, during the sermon, and that never ever happened before. <laughs> so we didn't we didn't understand really what was going on. But you know, of course, eventually we mm -hmm. left uh, worldwide and came into United. Well, and, we yeah. the same thing here. We didn't understand, and we weren't starting something new. In fact, we just left. We just didn't know what to do with ourselves. Mm -hmm. We had no new church to go to. Right. So we just sat there and worshipped with others. First of all, we're similar to what we were, but we said we have to do something. Mm -hmm. And so that, was there just kind of like a groundswell of, of members that were meeting with each other and they, you all just decided at some point, you know, that something has to be done about this. So, you know, let's pool our resources together and, and get something moving. Was that? Yeah, that was that, that was pretty much it. Okay. Where we, uh, of like mind, at that time I worked in church administration. Mm -hmm. And so I had, you know, many contacts there. And there were many, many people who said, what's going on? And, you know, I can't be living a lie. Right. <laughs> I, yeah. I can't I can't say that everything is fine because uh, people were disturbed in the exact same way. Mm -hmm. And those who started those new changes just had no concept of what it means to believe and how do you meddle and how do you mess with somebody else's faith? Mm -hmm. how, how, how do you mess with somebody's faith about things that are eternal and then where you feel like if you go back to that, you're going into something that is wrong. You can't right. live that way. Yeah. And so they, they seem to say, well, can't you just change? Why do you have to stay to what you have done all these years, which we had a great sacrifice? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I felt like I was very devout, actually, in my former church. I was Ukrainian Orthodox. Mm -hmm. And actually, at one point, I even thought about the priesthood. You know, mm -hmm. Not that I would have gone into it, but I kind of toyed with the idea because I was interested in theology. Right. My interest in theology led me to really examine these things uh, probably more, more closely. And I, I, I love the priest, the people, the church, uh, and it was very, very hard, an extremely painful move mm -hmm. to move away from that. And we got a lot of flack and heat you know, from, right. from that. And now all of a sudden we're told that, that what we did was wrong and, and that that we need to go back to that and you know to worship in that same way. And I thought that was this is just unacceptable. Right. It was a very, very tumultuous time in our life. Mm -hmm. I bet, yeah. And it seemed like that for a lot of people. Like you said, sacrificing as much as you did and then being told that all of that was for nothing. I I can't imagine how raw that must have made a lot of people feel. Cause well, it made a lot of people feel that way because they would 
for example, I just remember some of the exact examples. Uh, maybe not the greatest examples, but you know, the people were taken out of. They didn't involve themselves in Friday night sports, mm -hmm. in, in activities, in activities on on the Sabbath day, Saturday, and all of a sudden they're told, "Oh, it's okay. You could have done that." And I thought, how destructive is that right. to to a family's values that somebody all of a sudden out of the blue uh, can make those changes for you? And it was done very, very. I felt heavy-handed. Mm. It wasn't done uh, in love. It wasn't done. Uh, it, it was done to hey, we've come to this. And uh, to the ministry was basically that you have to make these changes or there's no future for you in this organization that you've been a part of and pastor and cared for people. Mm -hmm. That was all that together was extremely painful. And you felt powerless to be able to buck the system at that time. Mm -hmm. And I was amazed as to how few people like that could take a bully position like that and and make those types of changes for, for an entire organization. So, so the founding of United and then... United moved from California to here in Ohio. What was that like? Well, we started, you know, in California, mm -hmm. in Arcadia, and I took a position first of all with uh, in the administration at that time. But then I was uh, my position was changed to being a field pastor once again, mm -hmm. and uh, I was moved to Indiana mm -hmm. to pastor churches in Terre Haute and Lafayette. Okay. So that's sort of, and I lived in Indianapolis at that time. Okay. And um, then uh, the whole church actually moved, decided to move out of California to more central location in the country. And, you know, the population center of the U.S. is very close to Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. I, believe yeah. the, I believe the population center is exactly Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah. And so we're about 100 miles from Lexington, and that was the population center. That was one of the criteria, mm -hmm. you know, for the church moving here. And it was cheaper to live here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so back in 1998, I believe, or so, we moved here to Ohio. So you were a local pastor for a while, and then um, eventually we had some more kind of tumultuous times here in United. And then uh, through a series of events, you found yourself as president. How did that all come down? Well, I was pastor, and at that time also I've always been part of what's called the Council of Elders. Mm -hmm which is the ruling board, the governing board of the, of, of the church. And uh, we, we had another crisis, you know, uh, within the church. Actually, we've had a few times where people wanted to take over and, and, mm -hmm. and people wanted their way. I would right. say that's probably been the biggest thing. We had a, a crisis in uh, 2000, starting in 9, 8, 9, 10, where there was a move to move to Texas. Mm -hmm. And we just felt like here we have a building that's all paid for. <laughs> we, right. We're centrally located. And yet there were some people, once again, in a very small group that wanted to have their way. And so they wanted to move to Texas when there were many people who did not want that. Mm -hmm. And so that led to kind of a division in the church, which was very, very sad. Yeah. But one thing that I have, in fact, today we had a focus meeting with the staff here. Mm -hmm. I told them about you know, as, as we go to the future, to stay united. Yeah. You know, don't allow things to come and divide us. Uh, I talked about farewells, and probably the most famous farewell in the Bible was the Apostle Paul saying farewell to the elders of the church in Ephesus mm -hmm. in Acts chapter 20. You know, he talks about the church, you know, 
teaching the faith, talking about repentance towards God and faith, you know, in Jesus Christ. He talked about the work of the church, but he said that people will come among you who will try to scatter, who mm -hmm. will try to destroy the unity that you have with you. And that's one thought I wanted to leave with people, that there will be trial coming upon the church. Don't allow it to do those things. Yeah. And I have been, as president, not only have I had longevity in this position, but we've had a time of peace. Mm -hmm. We honestly have. And you know, you're talking about just becoming president and what was the road to that. Mm -hmm. You know, there was no real road to it. I, I became president. Maybe you want to talk. We, we can talk about that too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so sort of uh, in a way that was not perhaps standard. You know, where right. you choose among candidates, but we had a death of a president before, mm -hmm. and we quickly chose a new president. And I happened to be the one, uh, and not really knowing what I was getting into. <laughs> I mean, I know what they did, you know, but I just wasn't thinking of myself as aspiring right. know, uh, to that position or knowing that one's term was coming to an end and so maybe I could be the one. No, not, mm -hmm. not at all. But as we talk today, we talked about the importance of, of being peaceful, to have an environment where we can work and an environment that is conducive to growth. Mm -hmm. God will bless us with progress. God will bless us with growth if we obey him, if we're humble enough to w work together, yeah. where we don't push our ideas you know, on somebody else, mm -hmm. you know, and we don't have pride. Those are the things that really are destructive. Yeah. And I would say that the biggest danger in leadership always has been, in my observation, has been pride. There's been people who have been filled with vanity or overinflated importance of themselves, and that has caused undo problems. I would agree with that. And I would say that the best instances of leadership, I, I think that historically has been proven is people that weren't looking for that role, people mm -hmm. that didn't want it necessarily. Like George Washington, I think is a you know prime mm -hmm. example. He set up steps in place that would make sure that he, he wouldn't continue to have power. He didn't want it. He wanted to get rid of it as soon as possible. I think that that quality is what makes a good leader. And so when you're saying about how you you weren't seeking the position, it just kind of, it came to you. I'm sure that that was divinely inspired because that's the kind of leadership that we need. Well, I told the Council of Elders, you know, after my term ended here, that I hope that the new president isn't one who is just really wanting it so bad. I mean, mm -hmm. he's, he's dripping with desire, right. you know, <laughs> you know to, to want to have it because that would be the worst possible choice mm -hmm. to have a person who is just lusting after that position. And the Bible speaks, you know, the New Testament of flaws in leadership. You know, one of them uh, was uh, when Simon Magus, this is actually the early days of the New Testament church, who saw the miracles of the apostles and saw them healing people and saw them doing all kinds of things that were, you know, beyond just the natural movement of things. Right. And he says, hey, I want to have that power. Mm. I want to be able to do that. I would like to be looked up to. I'd like to have that power. And he was willing to pay money for it. Right. You know? yeah. And he said that, you know, he came to Peter and said, I want to buy this position here. I'll give you money. And Peter said, nope, you, know, mm -hmm. you and your money get out of here. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, that's the right attitude to have. And, and so that's a person who was just enthralled with the glory and the power that was publicly shown. Yeah, the status of it all. The other one is uh, Diotrephes. This is in the Second John, I believe, mm -hmm. where the Apostle John writes in a short letter about uh, coming. This had to be in the 80s or 90s. I mean, this was uh, towards the end of the first century in, in the church. And he talked about coming to a church area where there was an elder 
called Diotrephes, who loved the preeminence, mm-hmm. who loved to be important, you know, full of pride, mm-hmm. who received us not. And here John is a person who had been an apostle, an eyewitness, and even a relative of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. cousin of Jesus Christ. Here he was, a person really in the know, and he was put off by this other elder called Diotrephes who loved the preeminence and received us not. Mm-hmm. So he were, here was that person. Yeah. And what I spoke about today in Acts chapter 20 was about the Apostle Paul who told the church at Ephesus, and that's a church that he had been in a long time, longer than any other, which was, by our standards, maybe not that long. It was three years. Mm-hmm. He hadn't been in an area that long before. He was more itinerant going from one area to to another, whether it's Asia Minor or Greece. Mm-hmm. And he had been in Ephesus, and he really developed a bond and a love for those people. And he says, be careful. He says, after, after I leave here, there'll be coming ferocious people <laughs> that'll come here and tear the flock apart. So he's warning them of these, of these things that, that would happen. So these are concerns that, that I have, because that's always been there. There's something ecclesiastical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's something in the ecclesiastical world uh, in service to God, where it draws upon people who love to be noticed, love to be looked in that unnatural way. And um, yeah, and I, I would say that I, I saw that more with our our previous organization, the one that we all came out mm-hmm. of. You know, I my family alone has a lot of stories of, of people in power who didn't treat them the best. Mm-hmm. And so I would say coming out of that, I think that, you know, there's been a refinement process of people whose hearts have been tested and have shown themselves capable of undertaking that kind of, of leadership position. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, we're all with you. You know, we all agree that we'd, we'd like to see this, this era of peace that we've had continue. And we would like to, you know, we'd like to see service-oriented leadership continue on. And that's really just following the example of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the one who, was, who humbled himself to become nothing as a human being right. compared to what he was. And he was one who gave his life, and and it was humble. He he wasn't preoccupied with his position, mm. and that is spoken of very clearly in the book of Philippians. Right. So I'm just gonna switch gears a little bit here. One of the things that we've been focusing on a lot lately is uh, the situation in Ukraine, and mm-hmm. you know a, a fair amount of the last several podcasts have been about Ukraine. And so is there any kind of uh, an update you can give to us since the last time we talked about that? Well, today is what, May 9th? Mm-hmm. Actually quite a big day in Russia because it's Victory Day over Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. And so they're having big parades and all kinds of events there. And they wanted to actually end the war today <laughs> by defeating Ukraine, and they have not. Mm-hmm. So the story of the war is a very sad one, as tens of thousands of people, military and civilian, have been killed so needlessly Mm. in a war that didn't have to happen between people who speak the same language, who have similar roots. And it's just been an extremely sad situation. And I'm Ukrainian, as I had mentioned earlier in my background, so we still have family over there, Mm -hmm. family that has had to flee cities like Kharkiv. I have a cousin who's he and his wife and his family have fled to western Ukraine. And uh, we have many friends that we work with in the Children's Rehabilitation Center in northern Ukraine, in Chernihiv, which is very, very close to Chernobyl. It's mm-hmm. about 30 miles due east of Chernobyl. And they, that city was 70% destroyed. A city of 300,000 people is down to 100,000. 200,000 people have fled 
the area. So it's a very, very sad situation. Yeah. Plus, also, another area where we work in is in western Ukraine with Sabbath keepers mm -hmm. that we have worked with now for more than 25 years, uh, people whom we love and people who've even had their children come to Ambassador Bible College. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of these people are working to provide food to be the arms who are distributing food that we are purchasing and helping distribute in western Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So it's a very sad situation as far as humanitarian things are concerned. Ukrainians are putting up a stiff fight, but it's very, very costly. There's a lot of death. So that's kind of where, uh, where it's at. The war is still going uh, back and forth with Ukraine putting up a stiff resistance and the world supplying it with weaponry and, and that type of thing. But we hate to see all this happening. I know there have been uh, several instances in world history where we uh, tend to look at world events and we're like, okay, well, the end is coming quicker now. And so you don't want to jump to conclusions, but it is certainly good to be prepared and to keep watch, like the Bible says, and to keep an eye out for things that are coming down the line. Well, today you just got to bring up the question about Ukraine right on top of the talking about the, the church. Mm -hmm. We need to be mentally, spiritually prepared for what's ahead of us yeah. and not fall asleep. And the good news is that things will turn out okay. Mm. It's just that it's very tough going. Uh, not being prepared is to be oblivious to what's going on and not believing that God really does have this in hand. Right. Because you know, we see all this, and we, I pray to God, says, stop this thing, <laughs> you know, please. Mm -hmm. You know, my relatives, the people I know, people that we love are dying, you know, in this. Right. And, and it is hard. It's really hard. And I think to myself, when this happens in our country, which... You know, prophetically, we know that these things are going to take right. place. And will people be prepared? Will, will people be knowing that there is an end to it, that God is going to bring this thing to an end? Yeah. So those are the things that we're living through right now. As I was talking this morning, you know, we have we drove to work today. You know, we have gasoline. We have food and everything. Mm -hmm. But there's a threat of all these things being threatened. Right. Prices going up, shortages even coming to a point of being extreme shortages. Mm -hmm. And we have to ask God to protect us, to protect our children, to protect the people that, that, that we love and be, be prepared for this. Right. I would say that coming out of the last two years with all this COVID stuff, I would hope that we could take some of the lessons that we learned during this time of keeping cool and not being so quick to accuse and, and really having each other's best interest at heart hopefully we can take those lessons going forward for when things get, I mean, because things were bad, but they weren't Book of Revelation bad yet. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, this might be a precursor, we don't know, but things are going to get way, way worse. And if it's not now, it'll be soon. Mm -hmm. So let's not repeat the mistakes of history. Like I talked about a couple of weeks ago, you know, we need to learn our lessons and then put them into practice going forward. Right. I feel like the COVID crisis, which was actually one of the low points of my presidency, yeah. you know, from the standpoint of shutting down a lot of activities that we did mm -hmm. in the church, canceling services for months at a time. This was very, very hard. This yeah. was very, very hard. But we had to learn to say that times, hard times will come. And even though we kind of saw the light at the end of the tunnel, these things will happen when we may have to be isolated. We, we have to communicate in different ways. We'll have to trust God in different ways. Mm -hmm. We'll have to listen to our leaders. You know, right. you know we, we will have to do things uh, in a more united way uh, with these things that may come upon us. So uh, we have to learn these lessons and not be complainers 
and not be people who take matters into our own hands. Because with the COVID crisis, I would say one of the hard things was is people who said masks, no mask, vaccinations, no vaccinations. And it just went on and on and on, yeah. you know, with the various opinions and trying to find a middle road through all this. Yeah, you know? it was hard, to, it was hard yeah. to find that middle ground. And so we tried to take a position of, you know, you leave between you and God, don't judge other people. Mm-hmm. Worked with some, not with others. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> um, what are you looking forward to now that you're going to have a lot more free time? <laughs> well, I'm not going to just uh, stop working and, right. and staring off in the distance. <laughs> I've been a person who's always been involved with projects and, and one thing that was brought up was LifeNets, my mm-hmm. organization, a nonprofit that my wife and I started 23 years ago mm-hmm. uh, when we lived in central Indiana. And we started actually by working in the Chernobyl area to helping people uh, there from the Chernobyl disaster. Now these same people are suffering from the war in Russia. Mm-hmm. They have gone through a whole lot more than we have. Yeah. The same people had a real threat of having nuclear, having their city covered with nuclear radiation. And now... They're having Russian tanks, you know, entering into the city and street fighting going on. I mean, I'm just thankful to God that we have not had that mm-hmm. right here in Cincinnati yeah. you know, in that way. But LifeNet started at that time back in 19, actually started officially 99, but I had done work, nonprofit work before that. And we want to continue that work. Right now we're doing a lot of work with Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And you can go to our website, lifenets.org lifenets.org, and see you know, what we are doing. But we've also expanded out to helping in other ways in Africa, where we have really supplied a lot of young people with scholarships for going to college to be able to be certified or to have an occupation or you know some f- future vocation mm-hmm. for a job. People have become accountants, teachers, uh, they've become specialists with technical things. And so we've helped hundreds and hundreds of young people uh, be able to not only get a degree, but also to stay in their country, not be tempted to just leave or flee, right. you know, to, to go to other pastures. And so we've tried to build up our churches, our societies and communities overseas, mostly the countries of Zambia, Malawi, you know, South Africa. Also, we have quite a few scholarships that we have distributed in the Philippines mm-hmm. and South America, those, those places. So my wife and I have worked with that, with a group of people uh, in that way. And we have found funding publicly uh, through our church to help people in an organized way. Mm-hmm. So we'll continue to work with this. With Ukraine, we have worked very vigorously. We've had a lot of influx of, of cash. But one thing that we do is we don't just take this cash and pass it on to another organization. Uh, we have very, very low overhead in the things that we do, and we work through people we know. Uh, some people that we've known for 50 years, people, mm-hmm. people I've known in college too, who are pastors that you know we have worked with, whether it be in Africa or, or South America. So we will continue to work with that, uh, with LifeNets. And also, as far as other things that I plan to do, I'll put continue to have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this may be my last podcast officially on Inside United mm-hmm. because you know I am retiring. You know, not only has my term as president ended, but my wife and I felt like this is the time for us to retire. Right. And so I plan to have a podcast and I have a couple of different websites that I work from, not only LifeNets that I do for the nonprofit, but I also have a website, uh, cubic.org, 
kubik.org, and I also have a domain, victorcubic.com. Mm-hmm. So I'll be working from that. But I will have a podcast because I would like to be able to continue conversations like this. Right. You know, with people like you as an interviewer, or I would be the interviewer and talking to people who are interested in things. And I'll be talking about things dealing with matters of um, helping people, humanitarian things, spiritual things, things that I have come across in my life that would like to share with others, mm-hmm. that I would like them to share with others. And I feel like podcasting is a very, very good medium because you can prepare for it, not by just writing out a long script, but just being able to talk and express your, your views like we are right now. Exactly. Yeah, I got bit by the podcast bug uh, a number of years ago. And back when I had my own, it was, it was a nice creative outlet. I'm happy that you're going to continue down that road. And uh, I'm sure we'll all be tuning into that and Right now, we're unsure as to the future of this podcast. We're mm-hmm. going to uh, give it some time and see what the, the new president would like to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see. We'll reevaluate uh, here in a couple of weeks. Right. I'm sure that you will. And I just wanted to be able to step away from it. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted to be able to have my own. And it'll be called something. It'll have my name in it so that it'll be easy to find. Well, Vic, we're just really proud of you. We're really happy that you're you're uh, you know entering this new transition and, and phase of life. I just want to thank you for your years of service and for you know being uh, a steady light that we could look to for an example. And you know, like I said, I haven't been here that long personally in in the home office, but it's been long enough to to see your character and your example and the way it just kind of affects the whole building. So well, thank you, Scott. I have appreciated you very much, too. I appreciated you about three or four years ago <laughs> yeah. when you interviewed us on a podcast that you had your own podcast. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and yeah. I, I thought, boy, this guy really knows how to do it well. well thank <laughs> you. <laughs> so that's perhaps why I've been partial to you here. And I have just really appreciated that and just wish you well in, in what you do here. Well, thank you very much. So we're not going away. And, you know, you've said nice things about us. And Bev and I really want to continue doing the things that we have done, but it'll just be done in a different way. Right. Yeah. Different format. Well, thanks again, Vic. And uh, we'll wrap up this episode of Inside United. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be on here in this particular manner. This is a production of the United Church of God. For more, visit ucg.org.